Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to open them to Acts chapter 2. I want you to open it to Acts chapter 2 this morning as we pause briefly before heading back into 2 Samuel next week and we look uh, to God's Word concerning the ordinance of baptism. As you're finding your place there in God's Word, I want to welcome those who are joining us via our live stream. We're grateful for each and every one of you. So many join us in that way week in and week out. I uh, also want to welcome uh, Reach Church DeSoto, uh, Reach Church Paola, and also the venue service right down the hall. I also want to say thank you to Pastor Ryan McDaniel for filling the pulpit last weekend. Didn't he do a wonderful job leading us in the study of God's Word? So grateful for our team of pastors and, and their love of God's Word, their ability to preach God's Word. It's, it's just a blessing to me, and I know it's been a blessing to you. I also want to thank you for your prayers and our trip this past week, and I can't wait to share with you more about what God's, God's doing in Cambodia, but, but most importantly, uh, I pray that you would hear me say today, thank you. Thank you for your giving. Because of your faithfulness in giving, I can assure you, your giving is impacting the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, your giving is help, uh, helping a work, support a work in Cambodia where uh, 15 years ago, um, a part of Cambodia where there was probably really no Christian presence, and now there's a vibrant, growing church in that community. And, and we're, we're, we're kind of uh, supporting this uh, over the past few years, but I anticipate us doing a little bit more in the years to come. Uh, but thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your giving, your faithfulness that allows us to take the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Well, this morning, uh, I want you to look at Acts chapter 2 as we just begin here. In Acts chapter 2, you'll you know this is the first Christian sermon um, that, that Peter is filled with the Spirit, and he, he preaches uh, the gospel. And, and uh, right there with all these Jews that are gathered in Jerusalem, all these people that have come for Pentecost, and he proclaims the truth of God's Word in this powerful first message. Isn't it good when Christianity, you, you say, well, I wonder what the first sermon was like. And we can go back and look at it, can't we? And, and you know the beauty of it? He just preaches the Word of God. Uh, he takes Old Testament scripture and he relates it to their day and, and he tells them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want you to pick up in verse 29. Look at this with me as we begin this discussion of baptism. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Brethren, I, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David uh, that he both, and so he, he quoted previously from, um, from uh, Psalm 16, and so he's quoted scripture, uh, Psalm of David. Uh, messianic psalm and he says brethren i may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch david that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day and so because he was a prophet and knew that god had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne we've been studying that haven't we he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the christ and that he was neither abandoned to hades nor did his flesh suffer decay you know peter says he says david was a christian didn't know his name but he was trusting in one who would come who was the messiah who would defeat the grave Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who was attended to heaven, but he himself who says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So Peter's preaching the gospel. He says, this is Jesus. He has been confirmed, the Son of God, through the resurrection from the dead, and you're guilty. You crucified him. And look at what it says in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They interrupt Peter in his preaching. It's never happened to me in all my preaching. And they said, Peter... 
Now, I know some of y'all have thought it, but they just said it. That Stop preaching, all right? You've done enough. What do we gotta do? And look at what Peter says to them in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who received his word were baptized and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people come to faith in Christ and get baptized on that, on that day. It's a picture, it's a reminder that, that, that one of the central ordinances of the church from the very beginning, from the inception of the church in Acts chapter 2, one of the central unifying ordinances of the church has been baptism. At Lenexa Baptist Church, we practice two ordinances here at the church. One being Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is something that we do often. We do it frequently. We're to, we're to do it consistently and often, Scripture tells us. Here at Lenexa Baptist, we do it once a month. We observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, and it reminds us of the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The other ordinance we participate in is baptism. Baptism is something that we do once at the moment of salvation. These are two ordinances that are incredibly significant. They're incredibly powerful because both of them proclaim the gospel. In both these ordinances, the gospel is proclaimed. I want us to focus this morning just briefly on the ordinance of baptism. And when it comes to baptism, when we understand its significance, when it's primary, when we understand its primary significance in the church, you would think that there would just be total clarity amongst the people of God on this issue of baptism. But the fact of the matter is there's a vast array of beliefs. There's a vast array of opinions about baptism. When should it be done? How should it be done? What is its connection to salvation? And I believe the word of God gives us a lot of clarity I believe that God speaks to us on this issue and, and gives us clarity about baptism and how it should be observed and, and when it should be observed. And this is important because I believe there's probably some of you that are here today that are wondering, do I need to get baptized? And maybe you're even wondering, is my baptism legitimate? Well, we're going to look to God's word because the fact of the matter is it doesn't really matter what I think or say. It doesn't matter what you think or say. It only matters what God says. And so we're going to do our best to look at God's word and get some clarity on this issue of baptism. So with that in mind, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll look together at baptism. Lord, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless our time. I pray right now you'd just calm our hearts. I don't know what's going through people's minds right now. Maybe they're thinking about lunch. Maybe they're thinking about activities this afternoon. God, I pray you'd help them to lay those things aside, and then we'd focus in on you. Lord, I pray that you give us teachable hearts. Maybe the presuppositions that we have about baptism, you'd help us to lay those to the side and come to your word with a teachable heart seeking to know what you would have us to do. Lord, move in all of our hearts. Draw us closer to, to, to yourself and, and move us to a place of obedience and conformity to your word. Lord, we love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to uh, baptism, uh, the primary scripture as it relates to baptism is the Great Commission. We've been talking about the Great Commission a lot over the past several weeks. But you remember in that Great Commission, Jesus said, go therefore into all the earth and make disciples. That's the command. That's the one command of the Great Commission. It's what we've been talking about over these past several weeks. Make disciples. But involved in making disciples, he gives us two very important aspects of making disciples. Number one, he says what? baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's aspect number one of making disciples, baptize them. The second thing he tells us to do is to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Bring them to a place where they, the attitude of their heart is, whatever Christ says, that's what I'm gonna do. 
So teach them to obey and to observe. But the first thing that he tells us to do is baptize them. And right there, right away, we see the number one reason why you should get baptized is because it's a personal command from our Lord. It's a personal command from the Lord. Christ, with no ambiguity whatsoever, tells us that whoever follows him, whoever becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, trusts in him for salvation, they are to be baptized. So baptism primarily is an issue of obedience. In fact, on the basis of this this verse, you can make the argument that it's the very first command that you receive as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, the one exception when it comes to this area of obedience and its connection to salvation, the one exception that's always brought up concerning baptism is the thief on the cross. And you'll remember the thief on the cross. He comes to a realization, this man has done nothing wrong. We're getting what we justly deserve. Uh, He recognizes that Jesus is a king. He says, when you enter into your kingdom, he recognizes Jesus is a king. He recognizes that Jesus is innocent. And he says to Jesus, remember me. He says, in the basis of his life and what he's done, he's not looking for a grand mansion. He just wants to sit at the back of the bus. Would you just remember me? One, one New Testament that theologian said he's the, this is the greatest theologian in all the New Testament. He gets it. God opens his eyes, and he trusts in Christ. And you remember what Jesus says to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. He's assured the promise of heaven on the basis of no act of his own. It's really hard to do a lot of good works when you're strapped to a cross. His assurance of salvation is based on what? Faith. Faith and faith alone is what saves us. But a lot of people will say, well, pastor, you know, he's assured of salvation and he didn't get baptized. And so if he didn't get baptized, then I I don't have to get baptized. Now listen to me. He didn't get baptized not because he didn't want to. He didn't get baptized because he couldn't. It, It wasn't an issue of obedience. It was an issue of ability So for the rest of us, as we're able, the command of Scripture and the model of Scripture is you give your life to Christ and you get baptized. Now, if you're strung up to a cross, we'll give you a pass, all right? But for the rest of you, for the rest of you, the model of Scripture is you give your life to Christ and you get baptized because that's what Christ commanded you to do. Uh, There are a lot of questions about baptism. Why should I do it? All these other things. You can have those questions and we're going to look at some of those things. But some of you as parents, you remember this, raising some kids, and every now and then they start asking you all these questions. Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do that? And eventually, what do you say to them? Because I said so. Listen, when it comes to baptism, you can have all those questions, and it's okay to ask them and seek God's word. But at the end of the day, you know why we do it? Because he said to. Well, what is it, what's beyond that, though? We want to go deeper than that. It's a personal command. But secondly, also know this, it's a public confession. So baptism is a personal command, but it's also a public confession. Now, this is so interesting to me. The very first thing that Christ tells us to do, we've talked about this before, but the very first thing that Christ tells us to do with a new convert, with somebody who trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, he wants us to baptize them. Now, I've told you before, if I had been running the deal, and praise God I'm not running the deal, but if I was running the deal, my first thing would have been what? Read your Bible. I said, make disciples, and teach them to read their Bible. But Jesus doesn't do it that way. Jesus says, baptize them. And make no mistake about it, everything Jesus says, he says with intentionality. In other words, it's not just by coincidence that baptism is primary before teaching them to observe the word of God. So what is it, that's, 
That's the question. What is it about baptism that's so significant that Jesus would say the very first thing, the primary thing that they got to do is they need to be baptized? What makes it so significant? And I think in order to understand that question, you got to understand first century Christianity. In first century Christianity, when you got baptized, you didn't get baptized in a closed door sanctuary, nice baptistry, and warm water. First century, you got baptized. You got baptized in a public view of everybody. You got baptized in a local watering hole, a, a public pool. You, you got baptized with everybody else around and everybody watching in the middle of thoroughfares of business. And you got to remember that Christianity wasn't real popular in first century. Uh, you, if you publicly identified, and, and really the statements of faith in that day were either Caesar is Lord or Jesus is Lord. And if you said Jesus is Lord and you publicly identified him in baptism, you were putting a lot on the line. You could lose your friends. If you owned a business, you could lose your business. If you were an employee, you could lose your job. You, you could lose your family. And a lot of Christians in first century lost their life. Because they publicly identified with Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. In other words, in the first century Christianity, if you trusted in Christ and got baptized, you weren't some casual Christian. You were all in. You were totally committed to Jesus. So why would Jesus make it a primary importance? You know what I think? I think he did it because he wanted to know at the very outset, are you really serious about following me? Are you willing to go public? Are you not ashamed of the gospel? Are you willing to identify with me and saying, Christ is my Lord. I love the Lord. I love Jesus and I'm following him. And I don't care who, who thinks what or what you do to me. I'm following Jesus. You know, the analogy that I often use is that of a wedding ring. A wedding ring doesn't make you married. Um, it's your commitment and your covenant with God and with your spouse that makes you married. But your wedding ring is an outward public symbol to remind you of your commitment to your spouse and to God. Now, men, let me ask you this. If you got married to your wife in a little private ceremony, and then you said to your wife, honey, I love you, deeply love you. You're incredibly valuable to me. But I really don't want anybody to know. And I really don't want to wear that wedding ring, because I'd, I'd really like to keep this whole deal private, if you don't mind. Now, after you said that, if you're still living, <laughs> she's probably going to say to you, you know what she's going to say to you? If you really love me, you won't be ashamed of me. If I'm that valuable to you, you'll, will, you'll be willing to publicly identify with me. And your wedding ring won't be a thing of shame. It'll be something of great pride reminding you of me and your commitment to the Lord. Listen, if that's how your spouse would think about it, how much more the Lord? Remember this, he went public for you. When you think about the death of Jesus Christ, remember he didn't die in some corner of the world with nobody watching. He died in public view for everybody to see. If you go to Jerusalem and you see the place where they think that Jesus was crucified, it's the thoroughfare. It was the main thoroughfare to the city. It would be like cruci being crucified at the corner of 35 and 435 for everybody to see with all that traffic around. And Jesus was there. And remember, he's the perfect lamb of God. He's the son of God. He's perfect and he's sinless. And yet he was publicly shamed as a criminal. 
Cursed is he who dies on a tree. He was cursed for your sin. He took the, the shame for your sin. The depictions that we have that like to show some loincloth covering are inaccurate. He was totally stripped naked and publicly shamed for your sin. And folks, the picture there is he went public for you. Will you go public for him? Your faith in Jesus Christ is personal, but it was never intended to be private. The picture of Scripture is we come to know him and we obey him and we publicly confess him because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. In fact, Jesus made it clear in Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I'll also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. It's a public confession. But the second question is this. If it's a public confession, what am I confessing? Well, primarily you're confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord but you are also confessing your death to sin and your new life in Jesus Christ. It's why here at Lenexa Baptist, we baptize by immersion. We put you all the way under the water. And the word baptism uh, that you have in Scripture is a transliteration. It's not a, trans, it's not a translation, it's a transliteration. It's the Greek word baptizo, meaning we just sound it out in English letters. Baptizo. But the, you know what the word literally means? It means to put under. It means to put under. But more than this, baptism, as we find it in the New Testament, is always symbolic of death. More often than not, people associate baptism with cleansing. But listen, your new life in Jesus Christ is not simply a cleansing. Your new life in Jesus Christ is a death to an old way of life. And it's a resurrection through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a new birth. You're, you're reborn, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Romans, Paul says, Romans 6, 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from, de from the dead through the glory of God the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So what we're doing when we, when we baptize somebody, and in fact, I tell people when I baptize them, you know what you're doing today? You're preaching the gospel. That's what you're doing in your baptism. You're telling the world that you died to an old way of life. You didn't just get cleaned up. You just didn't add Jesus to the rest of your hobbies. No, you died. You laid everything down. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you were resurrected to new life through faith in Jesus Christ. You're preaching the gospel. Some people tell me all the time, Pastor, you know, you guys get real serious about this whole immersion thing. You bet we do. Because when you preach the, when, when you get baptized, you're preaching the gospel. And we take the gospel really serious. And we don't want to give you an inaccurate picture of the gospel. If you're going to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, you're not just adding him to your hobbies and you're not just getting cleaned up. You're going to die to your old way of life. You're going to lay everything down. And you're going to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you're going to, you're going to know the joy of forgiveness and joy of knowing Jesus as your master and Jesus as your Lord and having the security of resurrection life through faith in him. You're confessing your death to sin. You're confessing your, your new life through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said in Galatians 3.20, for I've been crucified with Christ and yet I live. Not I but Christ who lives within me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So baptism, it's a, it's a personal command. It's a public confession. 
and you're confessing your death to sin and new life in Christ, you're preaching the gospel. Then the next question comes, well, when should it be done? When should I be baptized? Well, the picture of Scripture is that it's done post-conversion. So it's a personal command, it's a public confession, and it should be done post-conversion. So since baptism is an expression of what's already occurred in our heart through faith, it can only be experienced by believers. Said it another way, if baptism is an expression of a faith that, that we already have, then it's not something that a non-believer can do. It's not something that an infant can do. Throughout the New Testament, we do not see one baptism of a person who has not already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear this morning, as kindly as I can say this, the idea of you being saved through the faith of another person, your parent, is not biblical. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Your parents can't save you. It must be your faith. It must be your confession. Some of you walked an aisle as a child and you were just following the motions, maybe doing what was expected of you, and you had no real faith. There was no real rebirth. There was no real commitment. And you, and you got dunked in a pool, but it had no real significance because you had no real faith. I want to be very clear. God is not impressed with wet sinners. There's nothing supernatural about those waters. It's what's occurred in your heart through faith that makes those waters significant in your life. Maybe later you went about your life and you gave your, your life to Jesus. Maybe you came later in life to a place of making a true commitment. Your eyes were open to the depth of your sin. You saw the beauty of your Savior, Jesus Christ, and you gave your life to him and you were reborn by, by faith in Christ and you saw a change brought about by God and his spirit now dwelling in you. But you've gone on through life and you've never been baptized post-conversion. Can I tell you, you need to be baptized. Now, the number one question I get regarding baptism is this. Number one question. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Now, here's what I have found. More often than not, when people are asking this, what they're asking is, is there a way for me to be a Christian and not get baptized? In other words, you know what they're asking? What can I get away with and still be a Christian? Now, folks, again, I want to say this as humbly and as kindly as I possibly can. If that's the question you're asking, you don't get it. See, when you come to a place where you begin to realize what you deserve, see, all of us deserve death and hell. There's none righteous, no, not one. We have sinned against a holy God, and all that we deserve is death and hell. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. And we got no leg to stand on, no argument to make. That's what we deserve. Our only hope is that God would be merciful and praise God. He just so happens to be a, a God who is abundant in mercy. 
And he saw us in the depth of our sin. He saw us in our sinful condition. He saw us in a place where we couldn't save uh, ourselves. And so he did the unthinkable, knowing that there was only way for one way for him to maintain his justice and his holiness and still extend grace and mercy. And that was to send his own son to die in our place. And Christ came and he bore the shame of your sin. He bore the punishment of God's wrath for your sin on his shoulders. He died in your place and he rose from the dead on the third day as an affirmation and a confirmation that he is God and he is who he said he was. And now God has made a way unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The wrath of God has been satisfied in the death of Christ and God is now freed up to extend salvation to you on the basis of faith. That you can know salvation, you can know the forgiveness of your sins, you can know rebirth, a fresh start, a new beginning, and the promise of eternal security forever with God in heaven, simply by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, when you begin to realize what you deserved, when you realize what you got, and you realize how you got it, your question will not be, what can I get away with? Your question will be the same as those in Acts chapter 2, what do I got to do? And Jesus says, repent. Meaning, turn from your sins and turn to, turn to me. Trust in me. And then he says, and be baptized. Make a public confession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the attitude we ought to have that in light of what Christ has done for me. The attitude is, what do I got to do? So maybe you're here today and you're saying, do I need to get baptized? Well, maybe you were baptized as an infant. But you had no real faith. It may have been a very significant moment for your parents, but it wasn't significant for you. You can't even remember the moment. You had no real faith. And so it had no real significance. It had no real meaning for you because you had no faith. Listen to me. You, maybe you, later on you came to faith in Christ, a genuine faith in Christ, and you were reborn by the Spirit of God and by faith. You need to get baptized. Some of you, you were, you were baptized as a child, but you were just going through the motions. It had no real significance. There was no real change. There's no way a person can place their faith in Jesus Christ and not be changed. And maybe you were just going through the motions and maybe doing what was expected of you, and there was no real change. But maybe later on, you came to a place of true commitment and true faith, and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and there was change. You were reborn, but you've never been baptized. Listen to me. You need to get baptized. Maybe you were sprinkled. Listen, baptism is not a cleansing. It's a death to sin. You need to get baptized by immersion and confess Christ as Lord in your death to sin and your new life in Christ. And some of you are here this morning and you don't even know Christ at all. But maybe this morning the power of the gospel is penetrating your heart and you're beginning to realize the depth of your sin and maybe for the first time you're seeing the beauty of what Christ has done for you on the cross and you know you need to trust in him. My encouragement, my, my, I, I, I plead with you this morning, trust in Christ. Place your faith in Christ. I don't know what you trust in this morning, but trust in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. There's no other name among men by which we must be saved. Trust in Jesus. Know his salvation. And then you know what you need to do? Get baptized. Now, now right now, some of you, you're feeling that, man, I know what I need to do. And guess what? We're going to give you the opportunity to be baptized this morning. We're going to give you the opportunity to do it right now. Now, all of a sudden, some of you just got very, very nervous. 
Maybe you're beginning to shake and you think, oh no. And all kinds of excuses are beginning to enter into your mind as to why you can't do it. Listen to me, that is the voice of Satan. The one thing Satan doesn't want you to do is obey Christ. And he will do everything he can to put every excuse in your way to keep you and prevent you from obeying Christ and knowing the joy of walking in obedience to God's word. So maybe you're here and you're thinking, I know I need to be baptized. Or maybe I need to trust in Christ. I need to get baptized. But you're thinking, well, but pastor, my, my family's not here and I'd like for my family to be here. I'd like them to see it. Listen, we're recording the service. We're recording this deal. We'll send you a link. We'll have it all narrowed down. It'll be awesome. You can, you can put it on social media. You want to live in the spirit of baptism? Put it on social media. Go public. Tell the world, I love Jesus. I don't care who knows. Put it out there. That's the spirit of baptism anyway. Some of you, you're saying, you know, Pastor, I'm, I don't want to join the church. This ain't about joining the church. That's way down there. We, we, we're not talking about that this morning. Our goal as a church is the, to provide you every opportunity to obey Jesus. That's all I care about this morning is you walking in obedience to God's word. Some of you say it's not an understanding problem. Some of you are saying um, it's a practical problem. You're saying, Pastor, I don't, I don't have the stuff. I don't have the clothes. Listen, folks, we got you covered. We got you covered. We, we didn't do this without some planning. This ain't our first rodeo. We got this deal. We got everything you can think of, everything you could possibly need. We got every item back there ready, waiting and ready for you. Some of you are saying, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Oh, nothing could be further from the truth. That's such a lie of Satan. Can I tell you, Jesus will never be more proud of you than when you stand for him. And when you get baptized, there's only one person you're pointing people to, and that's your Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, you'll confess his name. What excuse is holding you back from obeying Christ in this this important area of your life. What I'm going to ask you right now is I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I, I, you, you might be in the venue service this morning. Everybody's going to have the opportunity. You're at Reach Church DeSoto. You're, you're at Reach Church Pale. There's going to be pastors there at the front. We're going to be waiting on you. We've been praying for this moment. We've been praying for you. In just a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to lead us in a moment of prayer and the worship team's going to lead us in a song. Listen, I'm going to begin praying, and if you need to trust Christ, don't put it off. In fact, don't even wait for me to quit praying. You just come right now. Last night, we had 10 people get baptized. There was a young girl. She, as soon as I, she didn't even wait for nothing. She just came right down, ready to go. This morning, if God's working your heart, what would keep you from obeying him? Wouldn't it be good to know you could lay your head on the pillow tonight knowing that as far as it depends on you, you've sought to walk in fellowship and obedience to God's word. Wouldn't it be great to have a clear conscience before God tonight, knowing, Lord, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to walk in obedience. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. God, I, I pray right now, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Today would be a day of rebirth and a new beginning as they would place their faith in you. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So that no one should boast. This morning I pray that somebody would receive the free gift of salvation that you provided through Jesus. 
Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning. They know they need to get baptized right now. They're coming right now. Somebody needs to just step out right now and stop waiting and stop putting it off. God, I pray that you would move in their heart and by the means of the Holy Spirit, you give them a boldness that they don't have on their own, a boldness to step out and confess you. Lord, I pray that they would come right now and they'd know the joy of walking in obedience and fellowship with you. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.